What's up, yo? It's your boy, Blue. We got another episode of Blue Dope. And I got to say, a lot of times people say, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I got a problem with this politician or I don't understand this. Or, And I always ask them, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> what are you actually doing to make a change? And today we have a guest that's out here actually trying to make changes. Um, not only an activist, but a, a true storyteller who has took media and really tried to take media to tell stories and just just mix the whole thing together. So I got none other than Mr. Dylan Bernard. What's good, Dylan? Steph, thanks for having me, Jim. No, no, thank, yeah. thanks. Yeah, not all good. Thanks for coming through, man. Um, I got to ask out the gate, where are you from, man? What's your upbringing? Yeah, so I grew up in Acclaim, New Jersey, um, as my as my home base. So um, that's really where I, I grew up and got to really uh, jump into life since I was around second grade. So, um, and for me, I, got, I had an amazing upbringing where people really poured into me. I got, you know, great parents who were very uh, specific around following what I wanted to do. Um, so that was huge. And then I think for me, one of the biggest things, and I've been doing a lot of reflecting, is I think teachers, teachers who were really poured in and, and put in these seeds of, you know, you're a great writer, you know, you're, you're thoughtful in the classroom. Um, uh, so those are two instrumental pieces of like where I grew up in, in Jersey. Um, and I think those are pivotal pieces. Those are pivotal, I think, building blocks of why I chose the work I did. Cause I got to, I went to a super diverse high school, middle school, elementary school, we got mm-hmm. to like really, you know, again, it's close enough to New York city, you know, it's, it's a, in New Jersey, it's a kind of diverse, we were in a suburbs, but, um, but I think it was a really diverse place and I got to see and meet all types of people. Um, and then I think I was close enough to really just see um, the, the need to really address change and, and, and push forward things around, you know, one of my first things was just like, uh, more diversity in media. And that really came because I really saw the power of diversity representation in the spaces I was in. So I got to really, you know, begin to mirror the world that I wanted to see because I was in such a unique uh, childhood uh, growing up. Now, I think, you know, one thing that's important is that you said your, your parents kind of gave you kind of freedom of choice, et cetera. And that that almost seems like a newer concept to some, right? Because I feel like the generations before, definitely were like, hey, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be this, you have to be that. So just to kind of go in specific to that, like how how did they give you that freedom of choice of what you want to do? Yeah, and that's really interesting too because they, you know, they're both immigrants from Trinidad and so they came here when oh, they were 20. 20. I, I didn't even know you were 20, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, they came here when they were 20-ish, you know, at the beginning of their 20s um, and really you know, they were what, a few of the first in their families to, to come here. Um, so they really got to build up their version of the American dream. Um, and I think for their their kids, they really wanted to seemingly to just pour in in terms of okay we did this we want you to build on top of what we started but i think you know the perimeters were super wide it was that was the that's really what i heard in intertwined into how they were talking to us is that you know build we we came here for 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 y'all for us um build from here so i think that's really what i took is that i was really just following my passions again it was like i loved i was a really kind of to myself really self-aware but wanted to 
you know, really write and be alone sometimes. So I was like, okay, mm. that really started to pour in. Okay, I like writing, I like the more creative stuff. So it was really just like, okay, that's what you like to do, go for it. And besides that, there wasn't any perimeters in terms of it. So that was for me super, again, this is all in retrospect. So that was super empowering <laughs> to to have that experience um, as uh, as a kid. Um, and I think that's really why I got to, you know, I'm such like a self-starter. It's like, okay, I know where I'm, where I'm from. I know the building moss that I have, but let me build from here and let me just follow what really fuels me. Cause I think for me, and I think, again, this was the point in, it was like the pieces around like enjoying it was always huge for them. It's like, okay, try it. If you enjoy it, great. If you don't, well, I guess that's not your thing. So it was really that those pieces were really helpful. And I think those pieces are what allows me to continue to do this type of work, which is really difficult. It's, you know, it's very responsive to what's happening, but ultimately the values that I have around enjoying it, you know, making sure it is values aligned are, again, what really started and came from my parents. So when did the media side or the technology aspect where you learned how to create, when did that kind of start for you? Yeah. And this is really, I think the beauty of being like raised on the internet. Um, you know, I'm 23, so I, I don't really remember a time without having the internet on my side. So, and that's really, I think the other side that we, you know, there's a huge like negative and, and scary side that we often emphasize the media and as we should i think there's some scary points just being online i'm worried too in a sense but the other pieces of it is that i just got to create and just like you know here the canvas was the internet for me so i got to really just like create websites you know i can you can you can still today make a free website and just throw it at the wall and see if you build an audience what was your Uh, first website what was it about my first website was about a game I used to play. So it was like nice. I was like doing like news of the game, like the latest updates and stuff. Nice. Um, so so that's really and it's interesting because I, you know, outside of, you know, things that I was doing, I loved like media and journalism is like was my first thing. And what I think I liked about it was that I always thought I was here to like amplify other people's stories and see the power of, you know, having somebody see something and then wanting to take action. So there was some seeding there that happened initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to really just like, okay, I really enjoy, you know, being able to get people the information they need to, you know, move about their life differently, so to speak. So that was really a seeding was those experiences and just enjoying journalism um, and then I started websites like that. And then at 16, I created an online magazine that focused around uh, pop culture and politics. So we got to do some, you know, it was at the beginning of the 2016 election. So we got to do some like teen written Trump stuff. I think it was a really fun experience because, again, um, it was a short lived experience because I think it just it stopped. And I was like, how do I maintain this? There was <laughs> several teen writers. It was kind of just an exper- experiment. Um, but I think that was an experience that really allowed me to see the power of getting to provide a platform for other people. Um, so that was really the beginning of like, I really enjoy this. And I think particularly because people seemingly wanted a platform, you know, when folks are not given a platform, there's this pent up, like, I want to tell my story. So I got to really see that and talk to people who wanted to tell their story. So that was really the beginning, I think, uh, of me wanting to be like, okay, there's something here. You know, folks, particularly historically excluded folks, want to tell their story. So we have to, in my eyes, 
have to figure out some way to to do that. Um, so that's really what started, I think, the drumbeat of like media, social impact, self-starting nature kind of all got intertwined and, and started something interesting. I mean, I feel like it's a crazy time to start when you think about the political climate, right, of really the last <laughs> seven years or so. Um, how, how did you navigate that, especially at such a young age, um, you know, where, where people view whether you're left or right, they, they try to figure that out about someone quick and judge them. But when you have a whole platform and really a publication at that point, how did you navigate that? I think that was the difficult thing because, again, you know, I was testing out stuff. I didn't have like, okay, you know, somebody like, okay, let's think about this. So one of the reasons why it was kind of short-lived is like we were giving young people a platform to just tell their opinions. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is kind of, what if, like, what, I think this can go wrong real quick. Like, what <laughs> if the opinions and, you know, what if the opinions you have at 16 aren't what do you have in a few years? That's not going to be a surprising thing. Um, so I think that was one of the reasons why I was like, okay, this is, I really enjoyed the experience, but I didn't want to start anything wild and also i was 16 didn't know how to maintain an online magazine so again it was a great and i think again it's all in retrospect that the path made sense but i think at the moment i was like okay i tried that thing on to the were, next kind of were you, thing. were you doing this all without money or <laughs> like yeah i just I, I just had like a you know when i used to like get like gift cards like i maybe bought wow. a domain and got like okay. some you know the you know wordpress hosting was a couple of dollars a month like you just you know working with what you have happen. yeah so i think that's really that's really for me the way of like what you knowing what what you want to do or not is that if you're going to do it with like very minimal money and this is your thing you're spending hours upon hours I think you might enjoy that thing I and mean, that that can be your thing. So I think that was a really formative experience for me and knowing that like that's is what I enjoy doing. Got it, got it. So fast forward ahead, did you end up going to college for any of these particular things? I'm Anna, a transgender woman. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is the transgender. Join Anna as she chronicles her transition and Cam as he learns how to be a supportive parent. This podcast is about embracing differences and finding common ground. It's a roller coaster of emotions, laughter, and genuine connection. Tune in to new episodes of the Transgender Biweekly. Subscribe and listen to the Transgender on your favorite podcast platform. Love you all, except the bigots. Yeah, so I, I I enrolled at the new school. So I applied to one school, which was the new school, because I was like, if I'm going to go to a school, it has to be a, a, a school that is really like values aligned and is kind of, t- in my eyes, was had a journalism program that was up to, uh, that was moving at the speed of culture, so to speak, because they were really focused around digital storytelling. And I was like, there was a lot of journalism programs that were just doing print media. And I'm like, okay. Yes, but like it's 2018, 2019. <laughs> you got to get with it. So I went to the new school and studied there. And at the, you know, starting in my second year, I was always again at school. But I think it was, I think for me, it was a really important thing because I'm such a, a tactical learner. Like I want to not just, you know, take something in, but I want to be able to apply it and test it out. So I got to really, you know, work. Um, starting when I was in that second year and my, you know, when I was in second year, I got to really do movement-based 
social media content work. And that's really where I got to like really deep dive into content work. And even those jobs that I had, those were, and I'm a real fan of just like cold messaging people. It's like, mm. I, one of the, one of the jobs that I had was as, was like a social media lead um, at a nonprofit. Um, that was one of my first movement jobs, movement in the movement space. Um, and I was doing a project for school and as a side project that was featuring young people. And I DM'd who I DM'd one of the people who was led to being my my boss at the organization, wanting to do an interview. And okay. then that led to a larger conversation on like we need somebody who can do content. And and then it led to really doing content for a national movement, the September 20th climate yeah. strikes, which 650,000 people in the streets across the United States. And I got to do social media and content for that. That was a really, for me, a big moment where things started to make sense. So, uh-huh. you know, the projects I started when I was 12 and 16 are like, okay, I got to apply all of those things to a, you know, I can actually yeah. see yeah. people on the street. So I think that was a, a huge moment for me where like things started to make more and more sense, even though I was just like following Kind of following the wave, so to speak. Now, I mean, when you think about the climate crisis, for some people, it's just they're not too involved with it, right? They yeah. kind of know, but I, de- I definitely feel like there's a a group of people where it's almost like second nature to be involved with that. So, for you, was that something that you just kind of were brought up in, and that's your time where climate crisis was always a topic of discussion, or was there something that separated for you where you knew you just had to be involved with that? Yeah, and this is always the interesting thing because now, like I would say, 35, 40% of my work is climate work. And for me, I'm not like I wasn't brought up in the climate space or understanding. Like, I was, for me, our <laughs> curriculum was like polar bears and it was like water. <laughs> like, and I was like, okay, like it, I didn't quite connect the dots. But I think what was interesting for me in being able to do like content and messaging for the uh, huge part of the climate, the youth led climate movement was that I got to really see how it was impacting particularly communities of color. Mm. Um, so as I was seeing it really impact frontline communities, I got to really uh, kind of zoom in and understand the the nuances of the, the climate space. Um, like how, what are some of the biggest impacts in our communities that we need to be be more focused on? Yeah, and I think we're seeing the this even in New York City as we most recently saw all the flooding, and that is a mm-hmm. we're going to continue to see that happens. You know, a couple of years ago, that will continue to happen as we don't think through the climate solutions. Um, I think even with climate, it was always like in 50 years, it was kind of this drumbeat. But these are real world impacts that are happening now. The ever changing uh, temperatures are things that are, is a result of the climate movement and solutions are, will need to be had. So I think the huge thing right now that I just think a lot about and again, didn't understand this before I got into it and started to do some of the messaging is that it is impacting communities right now. And I think you know, it's going to get closer and closer to you if it hasn't already impacted you already. Um, and I think it will impact it will impact communities of color first and worse is really wow. the reality of it. So, um, again, I, and it's because it's interesting, again, because that piece of the puzzle wasn't told to me because, again, it yeah. was like, all right, they used to just show the photos again of the polar bears. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. Like, I don't what does that mean for me? And it's not I, no, no 
shade to the polar bears. It's just like, I didn't understand how that impacted me. And I think, again, we're seeing how it's impacting folks right now. Man, it got real to me when I lost the Audi and Canarsie during Hurricane Sandy. And I was like, oh, okay. Canarsie <laughs> mm-hmm. never flooded. But yeah, to that point, that I guess it's all intertwined. And, and more so, you know, you hear about the fires in Canada, et cetera. And like conspiracy theorists are just like, oh, they did this. They created the fire. But maybe it's just climate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, again, it's it, that also for me goes back to the messaging of it you know, the power of narrative and messaging. It's like, it's up to us to really ensure that we are, you know, applying ourselves and with the, with the rest of our research and then also using our influence in order to tell their stories. Or if we don't know it, it's also for me, the biggest thing is amplifying. Like, I don't know everything. I, I stay in my lane in terms of what I do. Um, but I, I think we all have a, you know, there's. I think there, we can all use our platforms to amplify other folks who know more than us. So I think that is, again, just the power of digital media is that we are all amplifiers or storytellers who can use it for change. So for you, do you like to be the storyteller yourself or is it more when you speak about amplifying, which one's kind of more of your passion? Yeah, so I think for me, this has been the most interesting thing because I did a very... Um, I used to always say no to like being in front of the camera because I'm such like a strategist, such like a behind the scenes person. But at the top of the year, I did a more uh, strategic, I guess, job in trying to ensure that I'm also amplifying my own story and my own voice. And that was a real intentional thing of like pushing past my comfort zone and that, you know, for me, being able to tell my own story and talk to people means I'm hopefully trying to attract the, the folks who I want to build with. Ultimately, I think this is about movement building and, and, and working with other creatives who think like me, who think storytelling can be used as a tool for change. So I would say like my comfort zone is really like behind the scenes strategy. Okay. A lot of my time is spent helping other storytellers tell their stories. But I think so much of this... I, but I think at a certain point, I found it to be like a cop-out in terms of, okay, I also want to make sure that I'm actively sharing my voice into the space, understanding that that hopefully will allow other folks to see themselves in in me. So I think it's really now a, a both and with me, most of my work focused on others and then increasingly a huge fo- focus being telling my own story. Now, I guess when it comes to the different stories that you've helped amplify, was there one particular thing that really kind of caught a wave other than others that you're just like, all right, people are starting to get this? Or have you have you been surprised at some of the responses of people that actually wrapped around and kind of pulled onto those ideas? Yeah. So I think for, for one of the uh, projects that I helped create is called Young People Address the Nation. And the premise here was that, you know, President Biden gives, or the president, whoever the president is, gives their uh, annual State of the Union. And then mm-hmm. we're going to see all the commentators talk about it. And then young people's voices will be left out of the conversation. So I started to think a lot about that piece of like, okay, folks are going to be having these conversations and without young people. So how can we just really just push young people's voice right in there? So um, I created this this campaign and then got to bring in 50 plus organizational partners. So now there's like 50 of the leading youth-led organizations wow. youth, as a part of it. And I think, again, that was a really, that kind of put everything I was working 
for you know across the last several years into this one project it like wow. you know it, it makes my love of writing of producing of creating spaces for a coalition of groups and again it's like a project that i created but now it lives very much beyond me so i think that was a great example of like when you can really make something and hook people into something interesting which is like the youth response to the state of the union it's very clear what to expect with that you know Again, for me, it's like I want to hook people into this conversation and then have them really deep dive into climate justice and economic issues. But of course, like those aren't the sexiest issues. We need a better hook than, you know, climate justice sometimes. So for me, I think that was a really great example of just the power of hooking people and wanting to have a deeper, more thoughtful dialogue with them. Now, outside of, you know, you say climate is probably about 40% of what you focus on. What's the makeup of the other 60? Yeah, so it's it's climate conservation being one. And then hugely, it's just like any issues that impact uh, BIPOC folks. So a lot of my, you know, we now have a just a bucket of work that is Black Power as one of our work priorities. And again, that's kind of cross, you know, cross issue, which is a really beautiful thing. So that has ranged again from like more so economic organizations who are focused around getting people more jobs and opportunities. It has focused around more so like policy folks who are really guiding the political landscape of the conversation. And then it's kind of all, again, all the work that I do under Team DB, which is where I do all my work, is focused around young and multicultural folks. So in some way, it touches young people and or multicultural folks in some way. So it's a really now beautiful mix of like that is the, you know, the real requirement of the product that it has to center those folks. And I get to work with a wide range of issues. And again, it's interesting for me is like, you know, some of the same you know, principles and strategies from the climate space we can take into other spaces. Um, so now I'm able to really be like, we tried this in this other realm. I think it will work in this messaging because it all centers the same people. Um, so now my work is like everywhere, um, but very much intentional around it. Ultimately, my focus is to create projects and campaigns and content that will push people to take action. That's all the work is centered on for me. Now, at the end of the day, right now, with just the political climate, they always say don't talk politics. But um, when you're so involved, do you have a kind of a pain of what's going on right now? You know, I think a lot of people are confused and they feel that, hey, we're coming up to another voting year. There's a presidential campaign on the horizon. And a lot of people feel like we're choosing between the lesser of two evils. Um, So what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think this is a, it's interesting because I've been kind of dreading 2024 because a lot of my work is focused around youth vote. Um, And it's, for me, it's how, (laughs) just very realistically, how do I engage young people to want to vote between this disaster um, that we have? So um, I think it's a really difficult conversation. But for me, I think the big thing that I've been really pushing is that, yes, it's about this election, but it's really about what is the, there's so much organizing and work to be done in between these elections that yes, let's figure out this and let's talk about 2024 election, but there is continues to be a need to reimagine all these different systems. And some of them, and a lot of them don't aren't tied to the election. They're tied to mm-hmm. how are we going to get folks more opportunities because economic issues are as important as social issues. It's like, how do we get folks 
to get a living wage and how do we deal with inflation and housing. A lot of those are, yes, presidentially impacted, but a lot of them are just community about community yeah. and community care at its core. So my eyes really to, yes, let's talk about 2024. And then I'm thinking a lot about 2026. 2026 is the 250th anniversary of America where, you know, I think it's an mm. interesting moment to try to look back on our past and then also create an agenda for our future. So my mind is, you know, I'm trying to think through 2024 and try to like crawl my way through it, but my <laughs> eyes really to like, how do yeah. we ensure that we continue the drumbeat up until 2026 and beyond? You know, one of the things I started with was that I feel people bring up the problems and they don't necessarily look for solutions themselves. They just complain. And when it comes to politics, a lot of the times I ask people, well, who are you supporting? That's a local council person that could potentially one day become a president. Like who who out there do you think actually represents our community? So I'm going to ask you, are there any politicians or just anyone that you see kind of climbing up the ranks that you think could be really can be really impactful that people should look out for and sh- could potentially or should potentially support. Yeah, I think for me it's it's interesting and again it's it's very interesting to see like Gen Z go from like okay we're out in the streets to now it's increasingly in the workplace like now you're most likely working with somebody who's in Gen Z so they're not they're not just like this wild dream that you have of young people and I think now we're seeing folks in the halls of power so I'm thinking about folks like Representative Maxwell Frost who's the first Gen Z in as a representative and I think that is really I'm excited to see more folks particularly young people be in those positions of power who you know again is a young person and who you know there's you know, their lived experiences is a part of their experience, but they don't have the long kind of career storied experience. And I think that being okay um, is really what I'm looking forward to. Because I think what I think we miss in this conversation is that young people are hugely important and hugely important to the conversation and that intergenerational collaborations is where it's at. It's like, okay, we can do a push and pull. It's like, okay, what do you have, which is this, passion and lived experiences. What do I have is this kind of career in politics. And I understand, you know, you pushing for that thing will impact how folks see it publicly. And I think there's so much more this of this pushing and pulling that we can do across generations that I think is so instrumental. And I think, again, is often we miss the pieces. It's like, oh my gosh, young people are this, young people are that. And young people are like, old people are this, old people are that. And I think there is a lot of synergies that folks have and we're seeing that if folks, as again, as folks enter, you know, the workplaces, the halls of power, et cetera. So I'm really excited about seeing that and how that synergy will push forward transformative change. Now, I definitely feel when it comes to racial injustice, you know, there was a point where, especially this, the Black community, we really felt like we were moving forward with a lot. And then Trayvon Martin happened and the countless others. And, you know, I think George Floyd was definitely the the point where people had to just say enough is enough and wake up and really go out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it left a lot of people feeling hopeless, but then a lot of people got hope from the actions that were taken. So how did that just inspire the moments of George Floyd and everything that's happened since and after? How does that inspire you and your work? Yeah. So I think for me, I think those moments were examples of just, again, the power of, you know, cross movement collaboration. So again, we were seeing all of these different issues show up for Black Lives in that moment. I think I was 
I think disappointed around like, okay, felt like we were going somewhere. And then it was like, okay, whoa, it's like we're we're at a pause. So I think that's a big frustration. But I do think in being in spaces where I'm now thinking about how we do cross collaboration between movements, how movements talk to people, talk to each other and to people. I think a lot of this is really about how do we have more thoughtful conversations and again use the power of influencers and creatives to really guide the conversation so for me that's i think those moments were i think hugely important for me to understand even further the power that creatives have in pushing forward the dialogue it's like okay we were seeing the power of art and media and people show up on social to move this and i think we just have to now in my eyes figure out how we continue those drum beats i think that's often what these movements, our movements are missing is that we have these, you know, rapid response moments, we're all hands on deck, and then it's like something else happens or energy shifts. And I think the biggest thing to figure out now is how do we, you know, there's folks who are with us, we understand the issues, how do we just continue the drumbeat really strategically? So I think it's a larger conversation and not a easy one, but it's something that I think is important here, because again, we're seeing folks really see the importance and want to take action and want to do something. But often I think it's up to the nonprofits and the movements to, to really work at that. Um, and I think that's again, where the opportunity really lands. And, and part of that, uh, I'd say Kendrick Lamar, you know, he kind of threw out something at one point and said he, he's stuck an overnight activist, right? Mm. So, <laughs> but someone that was really involved with things in the community, how did that aspect of it, you know, how did you feel about that where people were kind of popping up as activists for the first time? Is that something that you welcomed or was there a part of you that's like, hey, you're not really about this? Yeah. And I think it's for me personally, as just one piece of a larger puzzle. It's, it's all hands on deck. I think, again, we need the amplifiers. We need the creators. We need the folks, again, who just amplify. We need the folks with bullhorns. Like, I think we need it all. And for me, I say that as somebody who, again, is is not, you know, I kind of get classified as like the activists and I'm like, not, I, I do activism work, yes. yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm a creative, I'm a strategist at heart. So I think for me, I think that's something that I think is huge is that it is for me, all hands on deck. We need all the folks really mobilizing with us in order to push forward the change we seek. So um, I think, and I think again, it's up to us to really continue that drumbeat is how do we actively not just when something really terrible happens, how do we how do we actively continue talking to people? Um, so I think that's really up to all the folks who, again, started the conversation then is I think there's still a huge responsibility, I think, to continue it for your audience and for people who you connect with on, on the daily. Now, from a, a business perspective, Team DB, you said that's that's really that's what's happening right now. That's the, the project, the movement. Um, how do you go about funding? Right. And I think I'm going to ask that. And then I'm going to also ask, I'll mention that I think people over the years have been kind of afraid of where they invest their money into, right. Because they don't know how it's necessarily going to be used. Um, can you speak a little bit about funding and just what that means for you and how you receive it? Yeah, so for Team DB, we're a creative collective really focused on empowering young and multicultural folks. So one piece of it, and it's always been the way that we do work with organizations and clients. So we partner with purpose-driven organizations, 
uh, corporate social responsibility arms to create campaigns. So it's really fee for service work. Um, and that's really been the main focus for us. Cause I think we saw like, and again, we went on and off this piece around like, okay, trying to get grant money. It's like all of these, these interesting lines. And there's also some folks who just don't want to really fund art work, yeah. uh, like, you know, in terms of the space or like we're, we're really innovators. So, you know, folks are very like, we need a proven model. We're like, the proven mm. model is what you'll see after when we experiment with the content. <laughs> like, so I think it's, it's hard to fund it. So we yeah. do heavily fee-for-service work to really fund the work. And I think for me, one of the main things that I saw in why I started Team DB was to get other folks, particularly folks of color, into these spaces. Okay. Because um, often I was the one, just the one communicator in the room period just thinking about social and content and then you know i was very limited in terms of the work that i can do so our vision has always been how do we get more young creative color into these spaces using their creative energies for change because you know even we put up another like role description or a job recently and i got to do some interviews and folks are you know really excited about what we're building because they get to you know make money while doing something that really pushes forward change and I think because now I'm in this bubble of my running my own thing a little bit, I didn't, I continue to just not always recognize that that's not, there's very limited opportunities, I think, in the space to do that. Um, mm. So that's been an exciting thing. It's just to create the vision that we want to do, experiment with content. It's really been a beautiful thing to just do some great work with folks. How, how big is your team now? Yeah, so I think again we we kind of do projects. So in and out is maybe six okay. folks, and then we okay. just have this network of dozens of creatives who we work with to create content. So nice. again, it's been a really kind of thoughtful building up of a, a great team, a great collective of folks. I mean, what are your kind of KPIs or what looks like success for you with this endeavor? Yeah, so I think for me, it's is again, I think the one thing that it has always been our vision is how can we get hundreds of young creators in this space? And I think that allows us to really work backwards around like, what are the types of partners and projects do we want to take on? Um, so that's been huge for us is just getting more, getting more opportunities to young creatives. And then two, um, again, there's so much, I, I think, interest and want to add creative power and creative energy into social impact spaces. So a lot of our work currently is is working and pitching organizations, nonprofits to really invest in creative. So I think, again, as being often in spaces and social impact, I was like a t- communications team of one. It was like, where's your marketing team and comms team? I'm like, here he is, like just, <laughs> just me. Um, so I think there really needs, like, as we think about things like Black Lives Matter, I think again, create the creative piece is such a huge piece of that, and that's often the thing we're missing. So I think for me, what I'm having conversation with folks about in terms of like organizations is how can we get more thoughtful, continued support for young creators because that's really where we're going to be able to see the active drumbeat of like, okay, we need to change the narrative. Like that's the only way we're going to do it is like find interesting ways. Like folks still put out like dozens of pages of impact reports and research. And it's like, okay, if we want to get this back to people who are going to engage with it and who need it, they're not, you're actually not reaching them at all. So that's Mm. been our biggest thing is to meet them where they are. We're going to need some huge investments in young creators, particularly creators of color. 
I, I want an example. So I want to understand like one of your kind of favorite projects that you've worked on where a company has said, all right, let's, let's bring in team TV. Let's get this story out. Like, what is the process for you to kind of build that story with them? Like, what are you looking for? And the reason I'm asking is because I, I want business owners or people who work for big corporations, if they hear this, I want them to understand what's that, what's in it for them to kind of work with like a team DB. Yeah. So one of the, we're doing much more work with, with kind of bigger organizations and one of the or, more nonprofit organizations is a, is a conservation foundation. Um, so they do climate conservation work. So our initial pitch was that they needed somebody who can just do essentially their content and digital presence. Um, so ultimately we spent, you know, a couple of weeks just auditing their current, you know, platforms. Um, And one of the biggest things that was very clear is that they wanted to reach, and because a lot of their content speaks to indigenous folks and black folks, but their actual content presence didn't quite reach or engage with them. So we took, we spent a lot of time just making sure that we had content buckets. We had four to five content buckets of like, okay, generally we're going to think about featuring this this organization, this organizational partner on our platforms. Or on this day, we're actually going to feature a quote from a young person or, or somebody who visits on the daily. So really spending a lot of time on the strategic zone of it. And then the last piece, of course, is really being execution. I think a lot of the, you know, we've tried to push a lot of clients to be like, okay, we can do the strategy all day long, but a lot of this is so responsive and content focused that we need to actively experiment with the content. Um, so that's been a huge piece of the puzzle too, is thinking about how we're just executing content and experimenting and changing the strategy. Because I think the the kind of zone we we use and the framework we use is that we have to take the messaging, so the jargon, the wonkiness, the the call to actions, and turn that into content. And then from content, we really believe the next piece is really around narrative change. Is that when we actively are pushing forward these content pieces, a video here, uh, a social graphic here, a quote here, that's where we're going to see folks really come out of the conversation, come to the conversation. And the last piece that we think about in terms of our framework is that we really only work with organizations who want to push forward a cultural shift, who want to build a more sustainable model for the world, who want to, again, use creativity at the core of it. Um, so again, we work with a lot of nonprofits, with a lot of climate nonprofits, social impacts, social justice nonprofits, and organizations who are doing that work or who want to be doing that work, and who really rely on us as essentially their creative partners as they do it. Is there an intersection where you kind of involve influencers as well, right? Like where you'll grab someone who's kind of already in the space and say, "Hey, you'd be perfect for this thing that we're doing over here." Yeah, it's actually interesting because one of the, we have our kind of four organizations offering, which is more so the client services. And then we're building this talent arm where we're really working with social impact creators um, Uh to do this work. So one of our creators is is Ernest Krim, who does Black History. Um, Now he was a, he was a history teacher and now he kind of teaches Black History to the world. So we work with him to manage his creator relationships and creator partnerships on the nonprofit and social impact side. So like there's, that's been, it's interesting that you asked that too, because I think that's been a huge kind of missing piece we've saw on the space is like, okay, we can do this for organizations and help them tell their stories. But, you know, the biggest thing that we're missing now is like, how do we get though that in front of other people who can speak to their audience? So now we're really building this creator arm 
of folks who were connecting to great nonprofits to do the work too. Nice. So you're, you're connected too. It's yeah. the, the full gamut. <laughs> yeah. And that's been the most interesting thing around being in this space too, is that like, I thought like I was creating this, this firm and collective to really just do like strategy, but deeper we're like, we're, a lot of our work is connecting people. I mean, like y'all should actually know each other. Like y'all are doing the same work. And it's very interesting of like how many of these organizations don't know what each other is doing because wow. there isn't as much conversation as you would think there, there are. Um, so we really see ourselves as a connector of like, okay, either we're connecting folks to their vision because a lot of them are so intertwined into their day-to-day work that they're like, okay, I don't even know what we're doing or why we're doing it anymore. So we do a lot of like messaging work of like, okay, here's we we've talked to six of your six stakeholders across the organization. Here's the vision. Like just trying to so we do a lot of like aligning, connecting, networking. Um again, that was the most surprising thing. Cause I'm like, oh, like I thought I was just doing like content, but there's so much need and, and wow. requirements of doing that too. You're kind of rebuilding their companies a little bit. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always ask the question now because um it's the thing, it's the topic, but have you involved AI in any of what you're doing in your workflow and has it helped you at all right now? Yeah, so I think that's the big question. Like we have our director of operations who is supporting some of like our operational workflow. So, you know, we haven't used it a, a full, you know, hugely yet. We have like made some like templates on it. It's like a create us like a template to to use. So we're like we're beginning to implement it into our work slowly. Um, but I think that's going to be the big thing is like, we, again, our vision is like, how can we get more young creators of color into this space? So if it allows us to do that more efficiently, like we are down. So, um, that's our, that's one of our, on our to-do list is to figure out exactly how we implement that into our workflow. Now I wanted to ask just in regards to events, anything, is there anything where people can kind of physically gather and be part of team B on a regular basis or how do you really connect to people in all these different things we discussed? Yeah. So for the kind of businesses and organization, we have team DB and what we're building now is this community of change makers. It's called create for change. And if you go to createforchange.com, there's a, we're building a community and network of folks who are connecting online. We have a concept in the works to do a summit. So I think the nice. big thing for us is like, okay, we love doing the, business side of it in terms of like services but you know what we've been hearing at this big need is like folks who are you know using their creativity for change want to be able to gather so we're building this 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 talent network of folks and the big thing for that too is like we're having opportunities board and do some talent matching for organizations nice. so that's really the new the a new piece of our work is to continue to do services because honestly that's what brings in the funding um, and then yep, do yep. for change uh, pieces to really build a community of folks to again do skill building to do networking so that's really where folks can engage is at careerforchange.com nice and if and if someone wanted to just apply and be part of the core team db how do they reach out to you or team db to hop on and be part of the crew yeah, so teamdb.com, there's a contact form and we're building a, a career section there soon too. Um, so if you're interested around joining us, that's the best way. All right. Last question I'm going to ask you, if there's a, a young Dylan out there, maybe it's just a, an, another person who wants to kind of get involved and do more and kind of build to get voices out, what would be some of 
if one or two key pieces of advice that you'd push on them right now? Yeah, I think the one being is that, again, I think storytelling is a powerful tool for self-empowerment and for change. I think, again, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm here to like do transformative work. And throughout the process of doing that, I got to be like, okay, I have a story of my own to tell. Um, so I think whether you're at, you understand the need for both or you're kind of are doing more justice work, I do think that the piece around storytelling, be able to just tell your own story, I think is a huge piece of the puzzle. And I think that the second piece is that I think as creators, we all need to dive into our theory of change. Like what is the vision that we have for our future? It doesn't have to be a grand like social justice, like bullhorn vision. But I do think, I think it's up to all of us to really reimagine the world that we, and imagine the world we want to see. So whether it is kind of bringing a few folks in the door that you just opened with you, whether it is trying to figure out this your system around how you want to, you know, ensure that every somebody's taking action from your work or you're connecting or amplifying to another organization. I think we all, I think it's really up to us around if we have a vision for change, it's up to all of us to really deep dive into what that is and to really, again, call on our audience to take action with us. So I would say between both those things, that's really where I'm at right now in terms of understanding and deep diving into. Well, Blue Dope's all about the storytelling. So we're definitely going to look to see the stories that you continue to amplify. Uh, maybe at those summits, I'll be on one of those stages moderating some type of conversation. So yeah. looking forward to it and, and definitely the growth of your businesses. And Dylan, thank you for being part of Blue Dope. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Blue Dope and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow the crew on Instagram at Blue Dope TV.